Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Monday, April 27th, and you're tuned in to the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, and I'm joined, as always, by our tribe beat writer, Paul Hoynes. Paul, uh, good to have you back from the weekend. Good to be back on the show this week, and good because we're, we're looking, as the, the calendar is about to turn at the end of this week, into May, we're looking more and more like it's, it's sort of getting more certain that we're going to see baseball in some form or at some point in 2020, uh, the more that the powers that be sort of are, are getting themselves uh, aligned. We, we noticed a, a, an article posted today by Jeff Passan of ESPN that sort of lays all of uh, the options and the timelines out. And, you know, hopefully by the end of this upcoming month of May, we, we might have a little more clarity and a little uh, better picture of what the timeline might be. How encouraged were you when you saw that today? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, things have been moving that way. Um, uh, you know, I thought, uh, you know, when, when the Indians pitchers, when we talked to, uh, you know, we talked to Bieber and we talked to uh, Plesak and they said they had set that sellout date for the end of May, June 1st. You know, I don't think that was done by accident. Uh, and as Passon pointed out today, that most of the most of the teams have agreed to pay their employees through May 30th. The Indians have gone through June 30th, but I think you know that's probably there's a reason for that as well. And um, you know we we see you know more and more states kind of you know c- contemplating at least uh, you know lifting lifting the ban and letting people you know go back to work. Uh, I think that's encouraging you know, to a degree, as long as they're safe. And, uh, and so, you know, you see things moving in that way. And I think, you know, Joe, I think the, you know, the clock is ticking here, you know, they've, they've, you know, kind of, you know, they're, they're not close to a, you know, a drop dead date, but it's out there, you know, it's out there and, and they've got to deal with it. And I, and, you know, they are really, I, I, I think, you know, they really want to get this season going in one form or another. Well, and the, the driving force and the, the main force, obviously, in, in all of this, uh, regardless of what anybody says about, you know, wanting to be back in the stadium and, and for, the, for the people of the country and all that kind of thing, it, money is the driving force behind all of this, it, and, and it always is. Uh, the owners want to see some sort of season played because they they need that revenue, they need the the money from the the, the TV uh, contracts and whatnot. 
the players are are if they don't play a season, all they get is that one hundred seventy million dollars that they agreed to at the end of March. Yeah, I mean, money money is a is a great motivator, as we all know. And uh, you know, I think uh, whether you're it's playing in isolation in Arizona, it's playing in uh, Texas, Florida, or Arizona, or you know, four or five other states. Uh, I think uh, you know, the players might not be want to be away from their families, but I think their their wives and their <laughs> and their girlfriends are going to want to get paid. So uh, you know. So one way or the other, you know, I think all that comes to a head, you know, eventually. And, and you know, if, if, if the virus is, t- is flattened out and, um, you know, that's the main thing that still has, you know, holds a hammer. But if that gets flattened out, there's going to be baseball. The longer we go without sort of setting a plan or picking a specific plan, uh, the more options that seem to pop up. Uh, like you said, with different states opening back up as we go along. Uh, you know, the idea of just doing all the games in one city, which was the original Arizona plan, as, as it was, was labeled uh, a few weeks ago, uh, when that got out, it was met with, you know, reaction positive and negative, like it could be done, this is crazy, you know, what are the, you're going to lock the players up for, you know, an entire season away from their families for four months and, and, and all that crazy stuff. As, as time has gone on, we've seen options develop for it to be in Florida, options to uh, include Texas and, and sort of pods and locations throughout the different, uh, the different areas. There are many different options on the, on the floor right now, uh, including, you know, just having some sort of like two month, you know, wide open, like round robin tournament, sort of like a, a world baseball classic type, uh, you know, format thing. Uh, it, it's, it's just really encouraging for somebody who's, who's sitting around, you know, sort of in despair saying, you know, we're never going to get to see baseball. You know, we're never going to see our, our favorite players out on the field. Uh, it, it's, it just does provide that encouragement that, you know, at some point we'll, we'll get back to, at least having that bit of normalcy in, in the country. Now, what about one of the pod states being Ohio, Joe? You know, you've got the I-71 corridor. You've got Cleveland, Columbus, and Cincinnati. And yeah. then you've got Detroit. I mean, you've got Toledo. You've right. got Toledo. I don't know about if the virus, you know, to- Detroit's been hard hit by the virus. But you also have Pittsburgh. Right. There. Good luck playing those games uh, in – December in uh, October and November. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you have to play that. Maybe you play a. Maybe that opens up. Maybe there's in June or July or something. I. <laughs> I mean August or uh, July. It's a. It's a great idea to you know sort of have that. Like you said, because because what Huntington Park is. It, that's a beautiful ballpark. I, beautiful you know. ballpark. You could. There'd be some big stats there, I think. Right, yeah, a little bit. Uh, Bobby Bradley would certainly feel comfortable uh, hitting home runs there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, the idea of a, a state like Florida that has two dome stadiums and Texas, which is, it has two dome stadiums, and yeah, then you've got Arizona where you're not going to need necessarily. Right, and those uh, are close, yeah. Right, yeah. That, that makes I mean, sense. And you can go to California too, you know, you got San Diego and, and Dodger right. Stadium. And... But, you know, then you're talking, 
if you need to include Vegas, Vegas is only two hours away from uh, Arizona yeah. as well, too. And they've got a really nice ballpark there. Brand new. But again, all of this is predicated on, uh, you know, testing. If, if they, can, they can procure enough tests and, and make it easy enough to test players on a regular basis. And again, the optics of that aren't good when there aren't enough tests for, you know, hot spots like, you know, and soon enough, I think uh, with herd immunity and things like that, New York is going to turn the corner and become a little bit safer uh, of an area. But you're talking, that's a, a city with, with two major league baseball teams and you're not going to see any events or anything like that uh, taking place in New York. What's it going to look like? on the other side of this, maybe not necessarily in this calendar year, but maybe next calendar year when we're looking at major sporting events and what, what baseball could look like in Cleveland in say April of 2021. No, that's a good question, Joe. I talked to uh, two, you know, um, two doctors last week, uh, Dr. Uh, Keith uh, Armitage from, uh, the University University Hospitals and Dr. Ian uh, Gonsenhauser from uh, Ohio State, and uh, some interesting, you know, interesting uh, comments. Um, you know, uh, Dr. Gonsenhauser from Ohio State said he didn't think this thing was going to be back to normal until you know at, at least a year. He he was saying that, you know, watching going to Progressive Field with 30,000 fans in there, that's, that's a year away where, you know, you, there, there's still a lot of work to do. Uh, Dr. Armitage, you know, kind of laid out some, uh, you know, was a little more positive. You know, he said that, you know, and, and like, like you said, it was based on testing, you know, if, if, if you know, the vaccine, a vaccine is still probably what a year away or Or maybe if they, you know, you know, fast track it a little less, but, um, but he said you could do a model, you know, through a mathematical model and maybe determine X a number of fans could, could maybe watch a ball game at Progressive Field, uh, you know, late this season. So, you know, I don't know about that, but it, it's, it's interesting to hear the, the various uh, takes on it. And, and you and I were talking, you know, before we, we started recording here, uh, just about like the different variables that would be even be involved in bringing a, a small number of fans back to the ballpark. Uh, you would certainly do it without concessions. You would certainly, you know, would not be able to, to serve, you know, alcohol to these, to, to these fans while we're, we're trying to, to keep everybody at a, at a safe distance or not exchanging, you know, any sort of contagions. Uh, even like using the bathroom would be, uh, you know, just problematic in a situation where you've got a, a large stadium uh, operating with, with even a certain number of fans. Uh, all of this just means that moving forward uh, sort of in America, the way that we attend and take in and appreciate sports is, is going to change. It's, it's going to be different. You are never going to, after March 12th of 2020, you are never going to set foot in an arena or a ballpark or a stadium without thinking first about how to keep yourself and your family safe and healthy on the way out uh, by the by the time you leave. That yeah, that's and, you know that, that's just different now. Yeah, and like uh, the doctor, the one doctor was telling me, like even you know if if you reach a uh, 
if you think you have a safe number of fans in the ballpark and there's social distancing, well, they can't social distance in going in and out of the ballpark. Right. You know, they're, you know, you're rubbing shoulders with everybody or unless it's really strictly monitored. Uh, so, you know, that, that's a problem, you know, parking's a problem, you know, uh, every, you know, could you imagine the, the, the main gate at a Browns game before, you know, uh, 20 minutes before kickoff, the way that people are packed in there, that, yeah. it's, it's a nightmare now. And tailgating, think of tailgating. You couldn't, you couldn't do that at the Muni lot, and I don't know. So it's, you know, I think you're, you're right. The way we watch sports is probably going to change, you know. And uh, you know, I, I wonder if the NFL draft was a, a, an example of that. You know, a video, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> a virtual, virtual draft. Virtual draft. That, yeah. And well, does that make uh, you know? Does that increase our? Uh, you know, TV habits. Is that how we're going to watch sports from now on? It's well, going to be like, uh, you know, WUAB uh, wrestling. Remember that? Where yeah. It was a wrestling, professional wrestling was a studio sport. Is that what's... Well, they're, they're doing it now that way. If you watch now, they're, they're doing it basically a studio sport. They're, they're doing it in arenas with no fans in there. And it's, you know, it's kind of weird because there's echoes and stuff. Uh, but selfishly for us, how are we going to cover? How are we going to cover games and cover sports? Uh, right. Is it going to be done, you know, staying home, watching the the TV coverage, and then writing our stories off of that? I mean, that that's a, a possibility. And it's, yeah, and you know, I mean, they've got you know, hook up with the you know, what the hero of the game, the goat of the game, gets on uh, a Zoom call, and you talk, you do it with uh, Francona for ten minutes, and bang, you're done. I I don't know. I. You know, it, we've done, we've seen that we've covered spring training that way. Right. So uh, hopefully, hopefully we're on the scene because when you're on the scene, you always write better. You know. Well, they, and and the the loss of the, uh, the the locker room, you know, that was almost immediate. They they took that away as quickly as possible, and who knows if we'll ever get that back. And that's yeah, another that's thing, you know, not being in the clubhouse, not being in a locker room, that's going to take away from the ability to cover a team. Yeah, that's that's always been a bone of contention. The players been trying to get the writers out of there for you know for a hundred years. Yeah, and, ever uh, since Mark McGuire, right? That's well long before that. So, <laughs> but uh, so they've been that's that's been their goal, and hopefully, you know, this pandemic does not uh, grant it. Right, I I think the uh, the baseball writers association would would probably hopefully fight that, you know, on behalf of uh, the writers and, and whatnot. Uh, okay, so you know we've covered basically a, a timeline. So we're we're looking for, you know, in that once that calendar flips to May, we're looking for the the decision making process to sort of ramp up, and hopefully by the end of May, there there will be a, a decision in place that that sort of, you know, maybe you get the players in camps by within a week, you get a couple of weeks of of uh, practices and, and workouts going. And then by July 1st, maybe you're, you're playing games and maybe you get a 100-game season in by the end of November. And yeah. so happy Thanksgiving, Paul. You'll be, you'll be writing about the World Series uh, in, uh, uh, before you get your, your turkey and your uh, stuffing. So, I think, yeah, like you said, Joe, they're determined to play because both sides need money. All right. Uh, as, uh, as we found out last week, the punishment was handed down for the Boston Red Sox a uh, long time in coming after the uh, the cheating scandal that that rocked Houston from 2017. 
carried over somewhat to the, the Red Sox with manager Alex Cora, uh, who was hired away from the, the 2017 champion, um, Houston Astros. Uh, and the cheating allegations followed him there. Uh, what was your reaction to the punishment that was handed down to Boston? Uh, loss of a second-round draft pick, which, hey, this year doesn't really – does that really hurt as, as badly as, as, it's, as it sounds? And uh, their, their, their video coordinator uh, yeah. is, is banned from his job for a year. Uh, yeah, JT Watkins, I mean, he's the only guy that, that was cheating on that whole organization. Uh, this guy's I, I, like, he's probably making like 35 grand a year. Right. He gets popped, and all these millionaires are just walking around. <laughs> you know, all they did was rat him out. I mean, I thought, you know, Joe, I, I think, you know, <laughs> The thing that gets me about this thing is, you know, um, uh, the commissioner, Manfred, said, you know, Alex Cora was, was innocent, had no idea what was going on. No idea. This is a ringleader that set up the whole cheating scandal in Houston. He, he knew more about what was going on with the Astros than the, than, than the manager, than the manager, than A.J. Hinch. And this guy didn't know what was going on in Houston, in, in Boston. You know, I like Corey. He's a good guy, but come on. A manager if, knows what everything. If you, yeah, if you believe if you believe the report, AJ Hinch didn't know what was going on. AJ Hinch knew exactly what yeah, was going AJ on. Yeah, AJ Hinch knew what was going on. He was just too weak to stop it. Exactly, he didn't want to stop it. So but, you're telling like, me your bench coach had all the power there? Your, yeah. your bench coach and one of your veteran hitters had all the power in that clubhouse. And, okay. And and, and Cora, you know, Cora, you know, I mean, come on, what was the baggage he was bringing from Houston? He was the guy. Right. And now he, he doesn't know that, that his replay guy is, is, you know, gleaning, you know, live, you know, stealing signs off live game action and then flipping them to, the, to, to you know, certain players. Uh, you know, that's a stretch for me. I know he got suspended. He got suspended through 2000 the postseason this year. You know, that was part of it. But that was for what he did in Houston. Joey, I thought he would get another year. Alex Cora will be back on somebody's bench at some point. You know, going forward, I, I can't I can't imagine that he's going to be, you know, out of the game for the rest of his life. But and, and Puerto Rico's already talking about making him the manager for the their WBC team, which you know that's and he he'll have Francisco Lindor and yeah uh, Javier uh, Baez, Correa, and all those guys will be playing yeah. for him. Absolutely, one hundred percent. So it's uh, whatever. And then the second-round pick, though, I think the second-round pick, you know, with the draft being reduced to five rounds, right. I think it carries some weight. And you lose the, uh, you know, you lose the, uh, the bonus, uh, the, that part of the, your, your, draft, your draft bonus pool, the mm-hmm. second-round pick, you lose that money. I think it's probably like $2 million, something. Yeah, so you can't just funnel that money to, to right. another player or something like that. So that, that, that does hurt. You're right. But, uh, yeah, it does, it does really sort of whiff – of a, you know, a slap on the wrist. Uh, the, the caveat was that the Boston players were a, a, a lot more forthcoming in there. Uh, they didn't argue and, and, and you know, put well, up as they, much you know, they resistance. Got immunity just like the Astros. Exactly. That, that's the thing. It's like if they're going to have immunity, then they're going to tell you everything. And uh, I just – the I mean, players were the ones that cheated, and no player ever got suspended. That's and the they one. They talked to everybody. I mean, they talked to every. They talked to every. Interviewed every player on on that played for the 2018 Red Sox. Right. You know, they interviewed like 
they said, what, tens of thousands of emails and text messages. And this is what they came up with. I, I don't know. And, you know, I, you know, <laughs> maybe the Red Sox were nicer to, to Manfred's investigators than the Astros were. I'm not sure. And, and the fact that none of these Astros or Red Sox are really going to have to take a pitch in front of their hometown fans right. probably this year. It's going to be more than a full year before – longer. They're not going to have to go back to their home ballpark and stand in front of their fans and take the booze and, and take any of that stuff. It's almost like the pandemic set it up to be uh, the perfect era- mind eraser for, for baseball. This is – I wonder how, how much pitchers like uh, Mike Clevenger are going to forget and, and not drill these guys the first time they see them. But – yeah, you know. I, I don't know. You know, that's that, that's going to be really interesting. You know, I mean, if they let's say there's no baseball this year, are they really? Has somebody got their black book out and writing? You know, they're not going to remember. Like ten years later, bang, you get hit for something. They've got they've got every one of those pitchers has an Arya Stark uh, death list. That they, yeah, uh, yeah, right. That they're just and they, they're just going to bed at night reciting them in their minds. Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa. And just over and over again, just like I, any time I can uh, get a Game of Thrones reference into one of our podcasts, <laughs> I'm going to do that. So I and and I, I just know that that Hoinsey appreciates the Game of Thrones references. So he that, was a bad dude, happen. man. By the end, are oh. you kidding me? Would you mess with Arya Stark or no. the Hound? Who who who? Arya Stark put the Hound to shame. Like, I know. <laughs> so I I don't know. I, I like like you said it, it's. It, it'll be very interesting to see, you know, moving forward, how the reaction is to, to this. I, I think right now they, that, that report comes out and baseball has got so much bigger and more important and pressing issues than, you know, the Red Sox cheating. But again, uh, if, if we go back a, a month and a half and the Astros was the biggest story of the offseason. So. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Now it's, now it's a footnote. Now it's a footnote. It's and this ridiculous. was a perfect time to do the, the Boston thing. You know, because everybody is geared toward trying to get this season started. All right. Well, uh, you know, as we're, again, we're trying to get the season started. We're trying to look forward to things like that. The Indians uh, announced that uh, there would be furloughs and pay cuts, but that they would pay their their employees uh, through, like you said, I I believe through June now, which is sort of above and beyond what was going to happen uh, throughout the rest of the league. Most have committed through May. Uh, what do you think factors into that, uh, the Indians going sort of beyond what the normal is? Well, I think, uh, you know, I think it was, first of all, it was a great move. I thought very, very classy move by, you know, 42 executives, you know, across the organization uh, agreed to take pay cuts so the rest of the full-time staff members could get paid full salary through June 30th. So, you know, I think that, you know, it's a reflection of, you know, I think it's a reflection of ownership. I think it's a reflection of, you know, from the top down, you know, from the, you know, the people running the business side of it, from Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff and uh, Terry Francona running the baseball side of it. You know, it's a, it's, it's a, you know, it, it's just, it's a, it's a good move by the organization. Now, what happens after June 30th, you know, remains to be seen. And, and obviously, like you said, Joe, you know, some, uh, you know, hourly uh, uh, employees, were were furloughed and and some hourly employees volunteered to take the furlough, 
So uh, we'll see. Uh, and, and Manfred canceled the uh, the the contract. We didn't cancel the contract, but he made it so that those employees that are laid off can can be laid off and and seeking unemployment and all that. That's that's right. one of the major reasons for doing that. But this was a decision league wide that came down. Those uh those exempted contracts or whatever those are. Yeah. Those, Not everybody but players. Yeah, everybody right. Uh, everybody he, but players. Basically made it so that uh, those players, are, those people that are laid off can can go seek unemployment and, and that those kinds of things. So, you know, they're they're doing the right things in that regard, which is is commendable and, and so forth. It's just, you know, how will baseball look economically and business-wise on the other side of this pandemic? It's going to be yeah. just a reflection of the, the rest of the country as well. You know, what, yeah. what happens with the economy. It's going to be interesting to see <laughs> – you know, if some teams, how shaken some teams are, you right. know, from this loss of revenue and how they handle it and how they bounce back. And, you know, the free agent market next, this, this coming winter, is that going to be depressed? Are teams going to be able to throw as much money out there as, as they can, as they have in the past? It's like a, you know, a domino thing. All right. And uh, we, we've talked about it uh, on previous podcasts, but uh, don't expect to see uh, minor league baseball this year if, if that's, Something that you were looking forward to, uh, you know, is probably going to be a uh, a shaky proposition. It, it, they will have expanded rosters, so some of those, you know, minor league ready guys might be uh, able to make it into games. But as far as the low minors, the the single A ball, things like that, you're, you're not going to see uh, much of that this year if if things continue to go the way that they're they're going. Yeah, double whammy for the minors. I mean, no season, and it looks like, you know, MLB's plan to uh, contract, you know, a bunch of teams, 40, 42 teams, is headed in that direction. I mean, you know, when it first came out, minor league baseball had a lot of support. You know, a lot of politicians were backing them. It looked like MLB was kind of back on its heels. But, you know, now, you know, the minor league teams, they they, they, they – they're dependent on the through the big league clubs to support them, and I think, you know, they've kind of lost, uh, you know, they've lost their advantage if they ever had one in the beginning. All right. Uh, this past week, we we did talk to uh, a couple of players. We we got Tyler Naquin, we got Zach Plesac, we had Adam Simber on. Uh, the the guys sound like everybody's sort of staying hopeful and staying positive and staying ready. It, it was good to um, you know at least connect briefly over, over zoom with a bunch of those guys and, and sort of, you know, just catch up on where they are. Yeah. I thought that's, that's some of the best stuff we've done, Joe, on these podcasts, you know, I, and I hope the fans go back and, and, you know, give them a listen because it's really fun. It's, you know, mm-hmm. to see what they're doing and, you know, it's uh, what, what they're doing, how they're coping. And uh, like you said, uh, that, that they sound hopeful that, you know, you could hear the, the the want to in their voice that they want to play one way or the other. Yeah, the uh, the only thing I regret from that whole week of interviews was miss. I, I, I completely skipped my mind to ask Tyler Naquin about the uh, squirrel feeders that his dad builds, the little mini squirrel, uh, you know, nut feeders or whatever that he's been showing pictures of on Instagram and, and selling them. And I just, I need, I need to to find out the entire story on that. That's that, that's more of a deep dive for when we're, uh, <laughs> okay. when we're talking to them during the preseason, I think, uh, 
that they were going to have to save that for. We, we need to get to the bottom of why he's selling squirrel feeders on his Instagram account. Well, I'll buy so, some because uh, my, the squirrels at our house are stealing all our bird seed. All well, they do is hang on to bird feeders and stuff themselves. You know, every time every time I see one of those videos that's posted on uh, on Twitter or, or Instagram of the uh, the squirrels attacking the, the the bird feeders, and the people they put like slinkies on the uh, on there, watching the watching the squirrels like spin around and around and then fall off, and it's really funny. I I think about Paul in his backyard and, and, <laughs> and the dogs standing in the backyard at the at the windows barking and just. <laughs> I, I know that, that, that gets you, that those get to you on a personal level. So, uh, I think about you every time I see one of those, uh, maybe Tyler has some, some suggestions. Maybe he has some suggestions that don't involve bow hunting, which would, <laughs> you know, which would be a, a real problem. I don't know what the, uh, the regulations are out there in Menor. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, uh, hopefully we, we, we get some more of those, uh, those player connections here this week. Uh, we'll look forward to, to doing that. Um, Paul, I, I think we're, we're, we're in the home stretch in this, this quarantine. I, think. I really sort of sense it. I really think that by the end of this week, we hit May 1st, and, and we're going to have a little more clarity on, on where we stand. Uh, and, and I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to getting back to baseball. Yeah, me too, Joe. So I hope you're right. All right, we'll talk to you again tomorrow on the Cleveland Baseball Talk Podcast.